Hello and welcome to the All Blacks edition, brought to you by Driving Mall. Hi, I'm Paul, the guy behind Driving Mall, your best pleasure, predictions and opinion. And tonight on the All Blacks edition, we have the Black Ferns, the Black Ferns 7s, the under 20s. Um, the, uh, we'll also have a look at the international season, both games this year, and also some hot news, some news, hot news off the press? Press, anyway, something off the, off the press, hot kind of thing, you know what I mean, um, around the whole League of Nations or whatever they're calling it nowadays. It sounds like some sort of DC comic thing, doesn't it? Um, where Aquaman kind of flies in and saves the world. But anyway, um, while I'm off on a tangent, the people to hold me, keep me on the straight and narrow this evening are Michael and Herman. How are you doing, sirs? Very good, thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Rather. <laughs> I'm good, too, Paul. Oh dear, yes. We'll see if we can all try and get our words out today in one way or another. Um, so, uh, where should we start? Let's start with some Black Ferns action, actually. So, the Black Ferns are off to San Diego. Um, this uh, uh, when is it? Gone blank. Um, in June, is it? I think it's in June or July. Um, and uh, they're going to be playing a whole, the, playing the uh, rugby super series um, with other teams such as France, USA, Canada, um, and one other I've gone and forgotten because there's five of them. Um, probably Ireland actually. Uh, one, the thing that isn't going to be there is, is the Wallaroos. Unfortunately, it would have been good to see them there because obviously the Wallaroos and the uh, Black Ferns are putting in a bit of a, uh, a getting to play each other um, quite um, quite regularly. So yes, yeah, so it's Canada, USA, France, England. Um, and uh, New Zealand, other people that are there. So that's the, those those five teams. So, have you had a look at the uh, the lineups um, at all? The people who have been picked, guys. Deathly silence. Brilliant. Uh, I, I'm, I'm waiting for Mike for failing us out here. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I did have a brief look earlier today, and then just now uh, before the show, the, the name that really stands out to me is um, Vice Captain Kendra Coxedge. Uh, unfortunate last name, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. You know, I, I really feel that um, that New Zealand rugby is uh, women's rugby uh, is one of our best success stories at the moment. You know, with the sevens success and hopefully the fifteens girls um, can keep that up. But yeah, that's probably the name that. Steps out for me, uh, Fitzpatrick, a famous name in there. Uh, that's Theresa Fitzpatrick in the midfield. So, yeah, it looks like a fairly, fairly young side in terms of caps. But there again, uh, the Blackfoots don't play many games. So, so yeah, excited. Yeah, they don't play many games, but we have we have seen um, a number of players have sort of resigned after uh, re- not resigned have retired. Sorry, um, after the last Rugby World Cup that the women won. Um, and hence we've only so so only one of the hookers, for example, um, has been capped. Uh, and uh, yeah, as you say, plenty of uh, plenty of players are coming through, uh, new players into it. Kendra Coxes is is the uh, sort of the poster girl for the side um, for, for this side. Uh, she gets uh, does a lot of a lot of the talk, a lot of the press, a lot of the media work, um, and is a fantastic uh, yeah a fantastic scrum half. Um, the other person that's obviously in here because um, Michael and I are in. Um, uh, in the Waikato, and you did my, my new beer cosy with, with, with a nicely knitted beer cosy with the Waikato colours. Um, so the other name that's in there, um, just one one um, representative from here is um, Chelsea Alley. Uh, now she, uh, not um, she's down as a midfielder, but she's more of a. But she's I, I guess they've, they've looks like they've gone and put their um, fly halves or first five eights in in with the midfielders there. Yeah, um, I haven't seen a whole lot of. Of any of these players, really, so I can't comment. But um, but yeah, Christian Cottrell, Cottrell as well, um, in the midfield, another another famous name there, Cottrell, and uh, Hohepa. That that name rings a bit of a bell as well. So it's, so. it's, it's good, great. So I, mean, I, I I went along to a couple of the Farrah Palmer Cup games last season. Um, the uh, what, what a little bit disappointed to see that to, to not see um, and I've forgotten the lady's name, but she plays for North Harbour uh, because they, the North Harbour have got a um, a lock who kicks goals for them. So uh, that that's always a nice uh, a nice uh, a fun thing to see is the old lock old old forwards kicking goals. So it's a shame she's not in there. I saw her running around for the sevens on uh, the national sevens uh, when it was in Cambridge uh, for the, the regional deciders this year. Um, so yeah, it's, it's good to see that they're going to get four games here. They've got the home and away games against the Wallaroos as well, which are the double headers uh, along with the Bledisloe Cup games. So, um, and then I, I assume they will get some sort of tours 
come November. But that's it, it's great to see them get this uh, um, this, this this tournament in June, July, which will give them a lot more games uh, and help to uh, yeah progress the um, the competition because now these these ladies are all sort of. Um, I guess part-time professionals rather than full-time professionals at the 15s level, uh, but at least they are they they get it, it's 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 making its way um, towards towards that. The um, the Blackfern Sevens uh, had its final stop in Beeritz, uh, where the uh, the Blackfern Sevens lost in the final um, to the USA, uh, but they won four four out of the six stops. Another fantastic season for the uh, Blackfern Sevens. And Herman's going to go quiet for during this section as well, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely a really good season um, for for the Blackburn Sevens, and kind of putting their, uh, you know, their male counterparts to shame a wee bit. Um, so, so yeah, great to see, you know. But for me, the highlight for the Blackburn Sevens is uh, getting the win here in the Waikato earlier in the year, uh, the National Sevens here. Sorry, not the. Um, HSB Sevens event that they had here, so so yeah, really really stoked for those girls. Yeah, so they won four out of the six stops, um, and for one of those stops, the one in Japan, they sent a very much uh, an experimental team up there because of injuries and things. So they have been missing some 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 uh, some, some key players during the season. Even so, they've topped the table on 110 points. Um, the USA came second on 100 points. Canada 94, and Australia 86. So those four teams. All qualify automatically for the Olympics next year in Tokyo, and uh, yeah, and I guess the only um, downside to this is that we've seen World Rugby's response to the teams that have been that have got automatic qualification has meant that they've gone and changed qualifications to try and make sure they get the right balance of teams they want at the Olympics, which I think is a bit un- a bit wrong. Well, I think it's totally wrong actually to be changing qualification halfway through just because certain teams aren't making it to the Olympics. I understand it. That they need it for TV coverage and all that kind of stuff, but still, I think it's wrong to be that um, just because England doesn't make it into the top four of either the uh, uh, the, the men's or the women's sevens tournaments, uh, and so you've got no um, no European teams in there for the women or for the men's actually for that matter. It's yeah, tough. That's just how it is, and um, Europe shouldn't be given extra places. And I've even got an English accent. Uh, just because they they haven't played well this season, so yeah, it's a shame that they're doing that. But otherwise, um, looking good. So Herman, under twenties, because I know you've been watching this. Um, I so, have. South. Uh, so the 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 baby blacks lost to South Africa and to Wales. Yeah, I I gotta be really blunt here. The game against Wales—that's the worst I've seen a Kiwi team in uh, play ever. I think it was shocking. It was really shocking. I didn't watch the whole game, but from what I understand, the weather was appalling. Yeah, it was, but that equals for both teams. And what does it, the scoreline was a Wales one with eight seven, but I think Ailes, Wales missed one conversion of four penalties that were all makeable. So it should be a much bigger score for Wales that win. <laughs> Michael, you been catching up on these games? Yeah, yeah, I saw the Wales one. Um, didn't see the South African one, but saw highlights of the Wales. And you know, the the tries that Wales got were were the first one was from a mistake. Um, you know, to me, when you're you're running backwards towards your own goal line, you got to pick up the ball. Um, it's pretty pretty basic error, um, which led to their try. And then, you know, as well as Wales missing their goal, um, you know, our ten missing the. The crucial goal at the end, and and it wasn't, it wasn't a, an extreme angle. Um, you back them to, to do that. Um, yeah, disappointing. But like I said on, on Twitter yesterday, you know, this is just an example. I think I said it on the show as well. This is an example of just like, the fact that, world rugby, is starting to catch up to. In, in the men's game, at least, to, to New Zealand at all levels. Um, and, and I think we're going to see that continue uh, in Japan later this year, to be honest. It's good for the game, you, you know. It's it's great. Well done, Wales. Hope they go all the way. I'm, well, they I can't go all the way. This, but sorry, sorry, Paul, but I think uh, this World Cup could probably be, I think, New Zealand still is in with a real chance of winning it. They're favourites. But uh, we will be a concern maybe the next one because we look at especially 
results in the under 20s, you can probably the benefits or the, or the not so much of the benefits, you will see like five, six, seven years later. And they won the Kiwi under 20s, I won in, in uh, 2017. But that was basically down to what's the, the hooker who played for Hurricanes, Amoa, Asuma Amoa. Yep. Yeah. Because he he was just basically running straight and no one could stop him, you know, <laughs> at that level. So it, it, there, is, there seems to be, a, maybe Mike is right, maybe it's the rest of the world catching up, or maybe there's just a couple of poor generations. I don't know, we, we shall see. There's also been a change of emphasis from, the, uh, fr- from, from New Zealand rugby around the under-20s. So previously it was about, trying to, about winning this tournament. Uh, and I think we've seen that the way that uh, England have stepped up, particularly about what was it, about 2013-ish when we first saw that coming th- coming through and, and winning these tournaments, uh, and other and other sides are now stepping up. They're, they're targeting this tournament. New Zealand rugby apparently stopped targeting this tournament, and the under-20 program now isn't measured on on results on this, but on production of players uh, longer term. And uh, so I actually had a discussion with Arshun about this earlier. That yeah, the, the under-20 is no longer is about winning. It's about producing players, uh, and it's interesting that that I, focus I, has changed. I call BS on that all the way, you know. That's just <laughs> protecting their backs because the result is not going. Since when is New Zealand rugby not about winning, especially wear a black jersey? Come on, come on. I mean, New, New Zealand rugby is about winning at the All Blacks, right? Yeah, uh, but, and everything else it, is subservient it, it, to that. Yeah, but the under-20s is like the most important feeding channel to the All Blacks. From, but yeah, I mean, Super Rugby is obviously more, but this is... No, I, I'm not. I'm not buying that at all. I'm not buying that at all. I think. I mean, how how do we set up the team? Not what are we doing now? Difference that means we're not going to win it. What is it? Like if you go into detail. So if you look at some of like, are, are we like purposely not selecting the best players or what? What are? Well, or, or you you would you don't select the players that are best performing now, but the ones that got most potential for making it as a professional later. But I. An example of this is, uh, if, if, say we look at someone like Ikiri Wani, right? There's a yep. guy who has come through a system that I would suggest he, where a lot, of, a lot of the teams he's played for have wanted to win. And so what mm-hmm. they've done is they've given him the ball and he's just run through people. And he's, yep. not, and, well, and he's had the physical attributes to do that at the lower levels, uh, at, at the age group levels. But when he gets to um, growing up rugby, he can't do yeah, that anymore. He can, he can, and and because he's not learnt a lot of skills along the way, and been told run through, hey, well done, yay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas actually, that rather than asking him to run through, what they should have been doing is saying, right, make contact, get rid of the ball, um, and learn. That, that sounds also pretty poor, you know. But it, are we any big big guys back home that they didn't select? I mean, is there any kind of smoking gun here we can show show that they actually actually are doing this? I can. I mean, are we like? Sorry, Mike. Oh, there's a number of factors. Though. I mean, you know, some of the Super Rugby teams with with players at, at these levels um, do keep their, you know, their their guys on, depending on where they are in the competition. The, you know, the Chiefs decided to to send a Tani Nanaisatura over there. Um, I yeah, I I kind of agree with both sides on this, but I I do think that. The, the change in the in the approach has kind of been more about um, getting these young guys and and giving them a a, a taste of international rugby but um, I, I guess this, another thing about this is it's down to like maybe New Zealand rugby they're just hey the public aren't interested in this so we're not gonna we're not gonna go full guns I think there's a number of things going on here and, and the end result is a team that has um, not been able to adjust um, to pressure situations and I mean when you look at their matches in the Sunday 20 World Cup they uh, when it came down to playing the, the bigger teams they capitulated badly yeah I mean I, I would maybe this is a bit far-fetched but uh, what I'm thinking too is I think this is a uh, kind of dangerous way to go for New Zealand rugby because the the respect the rest of the world had for, for the black years, it doesn't start only with the seniors. That has started with the under-20s for a long time. Lots of players get used to being beaten by New Zealand from every 18, 19, 20 years old already. I mean, and if all all these players who go coming up in these next generations, if they're be- beaten like the baby blacks, they, 
they're going to drop a little bit of a fear factor. They're gonna, but, you know, we beat these guys before. We can do, ah, I beat that guy before in five years under 20s. We can do it again. So I think there's a connection definitely between the under 20s and, and because look how the, the baby black dominated the under 20s. I think they started playing it like in 2007 or something like that, the under 20 World Cup. The first game New Zealand ever lost was in 2012. That five year of being undefeated. No, yeah, absolutely. And we've we've seen something, I guess, similar happen in the sevens. Is that for a long time, New Zealand were dominant in the sevens, and then the HSBC World Tour came along, and the other uh, countries slowly started taking it more and more seriously. And we've seen New Zealand's performances, a bit New Zealand not be anywhere near as dominant um, since. Now they still made it to the Olympics, automatic qualification on the men's side, but they've, um, but yeah, they, they're not winning. I, they, they won something like six out of seven world tours initially or something silly like that i mean they, they were one they were they were they, they were definitely top of the tree um the and, and yeah they're nowhere near that anymore um so yeah there is an element of other sides taking it more seriously i do also think there's an element of the is of the new zealand rugby changing how they're coaching and coaching for skills rather than necessarily for winning um, for player development um and i, I know you're it, it might be the same players but just how you just what game plans you put in place, but I do, yeah, I do understand your, what you're saying about that mystique around the All Blacks jersey um, uh, is is yeah is being eroded by this kind of stuff. It is, it is, because there are countless of from nations who says like you how many if you feel like we're all being just to go out to, after the game and you're standing next to this black jersey that you feel like, oh shit you know <laughs> this is not going to be easy. Yep, yep, absolutely. Um, so news hot, hot off the press. Um, Herman, you, you were the one that told us about it before, just before the show. Um, Give us an update. What's happening with the um, World Nations World League, or whatever, the, the, whatever it's been called this week? Well, apparently World Rugby has come out and made a statement that the, the big, 10 big unions, they need to make a decision on this Friday. So in two days, if it, and all 10 nations have to agree with it. And if it's just one nation who says no to this, the idea will fall. And that would be, frankly, terrible news for New Zealand rugby. Um, yes, from a financial point of view. So let's just, just just quickly running through, remind people of who the, 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 the top 10 nations are. We obviously have New Zealand, South Africa, Australia and Argentina, um, part of the rugby championship, who I think on block have said that they, that they like um, this, uh, the, this, this new format. Uh, and then in the Six Nations block, you've got um, France, England, uh, Scotland, Wales, Ireland, and Italy, uh, where there's been mixed response, I think is, to put it politely, um, to this, with um, Italy. Uh, a lot of people are saying, oh, yes, because it involves relegation. So, so to me, the, the, the biggest thing about this new format that, that, that I like uh, is that there is a pathway you can see how you change from being a tier two nation to being a tier one nation. Currently, there is no way um, that you can do that. Uh, there's just people, it's just uh, only two teams have done it, which is Italy and Argentina. Um, and that took an awful lot of effort and politics and, and things to get there. Uh, there is no obvious or clear way as to how you get, how, how, you, how you bridge that, um, bridge that gap. Uh, so to me, that's the biggest thing, and that's the thing I think is the most important to to to, to make happen. Um, but I mean, um, but um, the uh, so so. But which, which teams have you heard, or countries have you heard, Herman, that, that, that are anti this uh, new the uh, the new um, format? Uh, f- first of all, we, we were talking about both Scotland and Ireland were the, the loudest critics of this, but Ireland has actually since then coming out uh, and said they are not against relegation, but Scotland stay very cold towards this idea because for obvious reasons they are scared of getting relegated as you said before Paul in the show they've been a tier one nation since since year zero in rugby world and uh, and it's a very very real chance that they might go down one day uh, Michael which um what, what have you heard around all this uh, much the same um, and, and when I, I look at this news I'm kind of in two minds because um, the fact that World Rugby have said we want everybody to agree or you know nothing um, states to me that they are kind of halfway there 
to accepting the fact that not everybody's going to agree. Um, so that that leads to a number of problems. What do you, what do, you do with, with pathways? What I, what I do like, one of the few things I like about this proposal is uh, the potential for pathways. The, the, the best way for the lower nations to, to grow the game is to compete against the best regularly. If that doesn't happen, they're not going to get better. Um, so I don't, I don't really know where I fall on this. I, I just think that it's, it's probably not going to happen. To, to be honest, Herman, I think I want to. Uh, yeah, I want to. But my biggest issue with this uh, with concepts like criticism to it is, uh, I think it would devalue the World Cup. I mean, if if yeah. you're playing all the other eleven top nations in a year and beat them all, you can pretty much claim that we are the best in the world. In the World Cup, you can actually get a bit lucky with a draw, or another good team gets knocked out in an upset, and so on. So you, I mean, they're playing with fire with the World Cup, which is, is which also is like a complete smash hit the Rugby World Cup from a financial point of view. So it will take away some of the gloss. And that's where I think they've gone. They've, they've, they've gone slightly wrong um, with this one because, uh, to, to me, playing the other the other eleven nations in and. Uh, in, a, in a kind of league format, and then having a, having a table at the end of the year is fine. Um, but by adding a semi-final and final at the end of it, you're you're creating a kind of World Cup final game. Um, yeah. Which whereas if you didn't have those, uh, if you just kept it to the round to, to, to the round robin and didn't have the playoffs, the finals, then I think that that, that to me is the only addition, only change I would make is get rid of those. Then you can then you've got a clear difference between what's happening each year and this one-off. Tournament knockout tournament for the World Cup. Yeah. Um, so there to me, that's the that, that that would be the only difference I would make. Also, it means that you, if you keep it to just those eleven games, then that's eleven games. That's exactly what the the, uh, the Northern Hemisphere teams play now, um, because there isn't that final, uh, and therefore you're not upsetting the uh, the uh, Euro- the European clubs or particularly the English and French clubs. Who uh, who are going to be upset if they lose their players for more time during their season, which this suggests it will do, um, because of those playoffs. Uh, and I think, um, yeah, that that's the so so that 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 would, that would be my only change I would make to to, to this setup. It is uh, and but it was interesting you were saying before this that a lot that a lot of the Northern Hemisphere criticism is around player welfare. Yes, it is. It is, but that's mainly from fans, and I would since. Oh, to be a little bit fair, because yeah, if they qualify for the final, they will play two extra test games every year, and in already very packed schedule. So you could probably see some understand some criticisms there. But I think behind the scene, I think it's much more shrewd than that, you know, because the whole like this whole idea is has its uh, foundation to actually to counter the uh, top fourteen of the English Premier League to actually create more money in the test games so you can protect the test game. And this is a way to do it. And uh, but the problem is, the problem is for the southern hemisphere. If this deal's fall doesn't come through, they they will have serious problems financial. But while the northern hemisphere nation are not that dependable on that, this idea needs to happen. They are, they already have other offers on the table for the six nations and so on that they can run. If I was the CEO of a Scottish or Irish union, I would turn this down simply because I would. That will weaken Southern Hemisphere rugby, and good for us. That's how I would see it, because they are going to get richer, and the Southern Hemisphere is going to get poorer. Which is exactly why um, the financial reasons is why they wanted this to be every year that is in the World Cup year, um, and I get that. But I also think that, like in soccer and in, in football, you have the FIFA World Cup right, every four years. And then the six, two years after that, you have Euro. So, and Copa America and uh, African Cup. Yeah. <laughs> so Cup. maybe like we we keep the finals format of this World Nations, have it every two years. But then, what do you do on the year in between? So, I don't know, man. I, I don't think they've really thought about this um, before they've put the proposal forward. And and but you're right. Um, New Zealand, the New Zealand Southern Hemisphere um, is going to lose out on this if it doesn't happen because we, we don't, you know, Europe 
the English competitions, the top league, all of that stuff. Um, they don't need the really the test game to to have a lot of money behind it. They really don't. And I think this is about um, TV as much as anything, oh, yeah. because that's where oh, the yeah. the revenue is. So. I don't know. I have no solution to this at all, to be honest. And an- another dangerous thing for this is both for New Zealand and Australia. Actually, the dangerous thing about this: if there is a no here, that will probably stop make the noise in South Africa more about that. Maybe we should drop Sansa and join North. Yes, well, I think again the, the, the this idea that South Africa can just drop Sansa and head North, um, I think, is very uh, misguided. I don't think the North. Actually, or I don't Why? think, this, I don't think the international, I don't think these six nations want the South African team, the, the South African national team, to be part of their tournament. Their Why? Ha- pardon? Why? Because again, Why don't you want that? The, 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 you, you, you realize it's, it's a lot of money coming. South Africa is by far the big money spinner in the Southern Hemisphere. They're in the perfect time zone. Adding them and making a seven nation would increase the value of the six nations or the seven nations enormously. But again, you've got like, to. You've, it would be without discussion the, the, the number one like tournament behind the World Cup. Sure, but again, you've got to find the extra time for the extra games that just Each aren't there already. Now they have um, seven weeks already post for for Six Nations. We have to take away one bye week, but the, the money you get from taking away that one bye week, we can still have one bye week instead of two. But the money that you get from that is through the roof. The um, as I say, I, I, I don't think the I, I don't think the Six Nations would 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 want them. I think that they the the already is the um, it's the highest attendance per game tournament in the world. It's um, it, it's already would as South Africa ru- ruined that in any way. You reckon? I think how how would South Africa? I mean, it's so obvious that South Africa would add value to the Six Nations. Um, I don't think it's so. It's 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 obviously it would add value. Uh, that pure, pure value. I mean, part of the joy of the Six Nations is the fa- is the away fans, um, and you do yeah. that because it is only a forty five minute or an hour to hour maximum flight between these places. Um, as soon as you bring South Africa into the fold, you're changing the whole um, the, the 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 whole feel of it. From that point of view, um, because a bit, but again, you, Six Nations uh, schedule comes usually out two years in advance. So if uh, I, I'm pretty sure there'll be a lot of travelling fans going down to South Africa, especially in uh, in February and March when it's like really nice weather in South Africa. And also, let's not forget there are a lot of South Africans living in Europe, so there will be away fans there for sure. But you just watch any test in Europe, especially when you can plan so much in advance. Now, I, I think. No, I'm sorry to say, Paul. I think you really underestimate what's what's it's a benefit from all this format. Because South Africa, if they would join the North, they would also weaken New Zealand, their biggest foe. And you can do all the pretty talk as you want. We want a strong New Zealand. We want a strong South Africa. But at the end of the day, everyone take care of themselves first and foremost. That's just the way it is. Yeah, and the no, you're right. It, it's it would be the end of. Um, so they, but not the maybe not, not immediately the end of the All Blacks, but um, it, they they would have to do some very very um, big thinking very very quickly. Um, the uh, now uh, the I mean the South African teams going up there for the Pro 14, that side of things. I think mm-hmm. yes, I think they would be accepted uh, and more than happy to take all the teams up there, and I don't think that would be such a bad thing, personally. Um, the but I think for, I'm, I'm not sh- I, but I'm not sure that the I say I, I'm I'm not convinced. By the, uh, um, I understand you are, but by the by the about that the Six Nations would want South Africa and the Springboks in in, in their tournament. I share you like uh, a mafia quote: "There is there is no wall in the world that's high enough so it can stop a donkey packed with gold on his back." The, <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, there's simply is too much money and offer. South Africa basically, okay, here we have Sansar, we're going to get twenty five million pounds. A year, and here we have joining the north, and we get a hundred million. I, hmm, which one should we choose? You know? Oh, oh, from the, from the, I think the Springboks would like to go. Don't get me wrong, absolutely. I think the Springboks would like to go, and they'd be happy to. And, and they, I think they would have gone if they thought they could have got away with it this time. But I don't. I think I think they would have pulled out of Sanzar at this round of negotiations if they thought they could go lock, stock, and barrel up north. But I don't think. I think the North has turned around and gone. Yeah, no thanks. 
I don't think so, but we shall see. We shall see. <laughs> oh, uh, speaking of our disagreement poll, have you seen uh, who should apologize to who after yesterday's show? <laughs> I was trying to keep quiet about that. <laughs> uh, I, I always do when you're wrong. You always call me out when I get it wrong. <laughs> yes, okay. Which means, which means, if I read that, because I had a look at that before, if the Chiefs win, do they host the semi as well? No, no. Oh, for God's sake. Yeah, Rambis will. High, and Highlanders can't get any home games yet. It's settled. Herman's uh, quite right. Yeah, the, Highland, the Highlanders and the Chiefs can't get any home games. Um, but oh, you can get the final at home if we play against the Highlanders. Okay. No, the yep. Sorry. Yep. There is there is a there is no, a no, very no, very convoluted. Yes, you're right. There is one one a, scenario. Yes. Yeah. There's one scenario. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yes. Um, so that's kind of where we're at with that with with the whole Nations League um, kind of thing. Um, we'll I guess we'll see on Friday and we'll talk about it next week because um, we'll, yeah, we'll have sure feedback from that. <laughs> For sure, we will. Just so we have a quick look at um, the kind of the the international um, season this season with um, for the All Blacks and the Maori All Blacks and uh, etc. Uh, and what's going on in in New Zealand. So because uh, Michael and I had coffee earlier this week, and I think um, he 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 didn't realise that uh, some some of this stuff was on. But obviously, we'll have the um, the rugby championship this year, uh, but in a shortened version. So instead of playing home and away against all the teams, um, the All Blacks will be playing away to Argentina. Um, they'll play. Sorry. I mean, how how, ref how refreshing is isn't that that the All Blacks isn't going to start playing the Wallabies in the Rugby Championship? You know, I'm I'm, I'm feeling like really excited. About it. <laughs> They've been playing the Wallabies at home in the first game for like eight years now. It's kind of boring, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Very good point. I forgot about that. Yes. So they'll, they'll start with an away game to Argentina. Um, they'll then play South Africa um, at home before playing away in Perth to Australia. Which is um, obviously very different. They normally play, um, uh, they they normally play that game in Sydney. Uh, or, oh, by the way, yes, they'll be playing the the All Blacks at home in Wellington, like they quite often do. Um, then they will be playing Australia at home at Eden Park for the return leg of the Bledisloe Cup. So four games for them in the um, Rugby Championship this year. Um, three in the rugby championship. The second letter, so it's not included in the rugby championship. The it's listed on the website as, as part of it, but yep, it shouldn't be. I agree. No, it's not. It's not. It's not. Are they also going to play Tonga? Uh, um, but the, yeah, because they've also uh, listed the um, South Africa playing um, Argentina at home in the rugby championship on the All Blacks site. But again, I don't think that game is either because the, Ar yeah, the yeah. it's the only the but, away game. But the All Blacks going to play. The All Blacks going to play a test against Tonga too. I think. Yep. yep, the All Blacks um, are going to play. Um, the uh, are going to play Tonga in up down uh, down here in Hamilton. Oh, so you boys are going? Well, no, I can't afford Hopefully. a ticket. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Yeah, I am. I'm personally really excited. Um, apart from the terrible TV coverage, thank you, ESPN. Um, but I'm, I'm I'm really happy to see the All Blacks starting out over there in Argentina, and um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of squad um, they name for this championship, who they rest ahead of the World Cup. I don't think they'll rest many, um, but particularly that squad for the first Argentinian game is going to be really really interesting. Uh, in Australia, speaking of Sydney, they have no matches in Sydney um, this year. That, that's the first time in. And I can ever imagine that there hasn't been a Wallabies game at ANZ Stadium in Sydney. Yep. Well, that's because it's being knocked down, isn't it? Yeah, that, we're rebuilding. But we're rebuilding they have other stadiums in Sydney too. There, there are other no, stadiums. The, yeah, yes. the, the big game, the big stadium. Not, not, not that that piece of shit one. The the other <laughs> one. The big one. <laughs> Uh, yes, there is. There, there is the Olympic Stadium, or whatever it is. There, 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 yeah. is, there is another stadium in, uh, in in Sydney, but yes, the current the one that they would normally play at uh, is being rebuilt um, currently. Um, well, I think the, the stadium for the test in Perth—that's a brand new one, like a real state of art stadium. 
Yes, it is, which is interesting, isn't it? They've gone and built themselves a, a, uh, a rectangular stadium in Perth, and yet um, they got rid of the Super Rugby team from there, so it's just playing rugby league in there now. Um, interesting. Um, so, yeah, yeah. So, so Australia are playing in Brisbane um, and uh, in Perth for their two home games during the rugby championship. Um, yep. And then the Maori All Blacks. I just follow up what Michael said, what Michael said uh, about oh. what squad the All Blacks would pick for the Argentina game. They have been out, like, sort of a record to say that any players who participate in the Super Rugby final, the Kiwi players, will most likely be arrested from that trip. Which, uh, if Jaguars doesn't qualify for the final and have to go to New Zealand and all that, they, which kind of opens the door for the Argies to get their first win over the All Blacks if the All Blacks going to send like a B-side there. And they... <laughs> yeah, well, that's, only, that's only, what, a week, two weeks after the Super Rugby final. Yeah. So, yeah. Yes, but you'd, you'd think that um, the the only team we're expecting to make the the, the, the Super Rugby final is the uh, Crusaders, correct? Yeah, but that's probably the 10. 10 starting all-backs on these days. So, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, clearly, obviously, you've got the entire front row. Um, Sam Whitelock, Reed, um, Barrett, Scott, Scott Barrett. Uh, so, yeah, 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 sorry, so, yeah, sorry, two, two, well, yeah, Scott, Scott, yeah, Scott Barrett from, who, in the 23 as well. Um, uh, Reed, uh, yeah, Richard Moanga will be, as, would be in there as part of the 23. Uh, Crotty, obviously, uh, and then potentially some wingers. Oh, and Goodyear, sorry. Yeah. Crossing Goodyear. Yeah. So, yes, it'll be interesting to see. But um, it'll be even more interesting if the Chiefs, because the Chiefs are the only other team that could be playing the Crusaders in the final. If they were there, then that would lead to some interesting uh, selections. Um, that will be a week old back Yeah. That's going to be a brand new forward pack if that happens. Pretty much, because obviously San Kane and. Um, uh, and Brody Retallick will be missing as well, but um, the uh, uh, but also Antonin Brown. So it'd be an interesting centre combination if you if you if you lose Crotty, Antonin Brown, and Jack Goodhue. Um, yeah. So um, so yeah, but it, uh, so it'll be yeah. So it'd be interesting to see how they what, what how the selection goes, and that yes, the Crusaders will probably um, be rested for that game. The Obviously, the other one was if if the, if the Hurricanes were to beat the Crusaders and it would be Hurricanes versus Jaguars in Argentina, then you go well. Actually, is it worth resting the, resting them? They're already over there. Um, mm. Just just stick around Fair for another point. game, guys. Fair point. Fair point. But the side of it that, that could bite Argentina if if Jaguars were to qualify for a final and play against Crusaders, they gonna how are they gonna do? Because they're gonna do a long travel home and then prepare 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 for that test. So that's that's gonna be far from ideal for them. True, and let's be honest, a lot of us are expecting, or a lot of us think there's a very good chance of the Haguaris making that final. Yeah, it's far from impossible, far from impossible. Um, the uh, Maori All Blacks also got a couple of games. They're going to go over to Fiji and uh, play over there on the uh, 13th of July and then return home and play in uh, Rotorua. Um, have the return game there, Maori All Blacks versus Fiji. Um, that should be cracking games, shouldn't it? It should, and I've gone, I've gone blank because I'm pretty sure that there is a um, uh, there is a warm up that's a double header for that game, and I can't remember what the other game was. It's um, it's a Hard development yeah, development side for each. Oh, that's right. There's going to be a, a, a yeah. Mary All Blacks under twenties. Yeah. Um, side and uh, against the Fiji under twenties. Now Fiji under twenties are at the under twenty uh, under twenty rugby world championship. Um, so um, it'll be interesting to see whether they can survive, whether they actually get relegated. But um, yeah, that, that'll be uh, an interesting one. I, Michael, I've, I've never heard of a Maori All Blacks under twenties before. Is this is first in your? Uh, I think it is the first year. Um, I, I've got an issue with these matches. You know, I. I because of what you're going to talk about with the other match that, that I didn't even know about, why they didn't have the Morial Blacks involved in that event at Eden Park, I do not know. Oh, good yeah, call. Point, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what the, what the hell? Yeah. Heart, heart, I'll, let you, I'll let you announce it, Paul, and then I'll unload on it. 
Okay, let, let, let me let people know what we're talking about here then. So that's on the 20th of May. Then following that on the 31st of August, we are going to have um, what has been called Pacifica Challenge 2, The Road to Japan. Now, I'm not quite sure what Pacifica Challenge 1 was, unless that's what they're calling the Mario All Blacks games. Is it? Um, anyway. No, we played, uh, it was when uh, New Zealand, when we played ahead of the Lions uh, series, yeah. they played Samoa at Eden Park, and I think the pre-game was Tong, was it Tonga Fiji who played before them? Tonga versus Wales. Tonga Wales, correct, correct, correct. correct. Yeah. Now, I was at that game, and hardly anybody turned up, to be honest. Um, it was weird, it was so weird. <laughs> Considering the hype, it was around the Lions Tour and everything. There was this. It was organised later, uh, but pretty late, um, so you didn't have very long to, to advertise it. Secondly, people had already spent all their money on All Blacks Lions tickets um, to then go and add this game at pretty late notice. Uh, yeah, it just didn't get a good yeah. get a good turnout. Yeah, because wasn't it the, was it Tonga Samoa who played each other uh, against each other in the World Cup 2011 at Eden Park? Uh, don't know. Sorry. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. And it was a sellout, like complete sellout, sixty thousand people for Tonga. And so, obviously, it was a special occasion with the World Cup, but it also gives you a hint if you do some good planning, where a lot of island I, people with island descent who will turn up. If you do it properly, um, the uh, so um, so so what's going to happen is it's going to be a double header. A New Zealand Heartland 15 team will take on Samoa. And then Fiji will place Tonga. Will, will face Tonga, um, and you, as you say, at Eden Park. Um, now, Michael is so. So, Michael, go ahead, unload, please, from the um, as you as you wanted to unload on this one. All right. Well, what what it sa- when I read this, it sounds like they got a student out of the university and they said, "Hey, design something that that you think will be good. We'll call it Pacifica Challenge Two. The road to Japan. What they should have done is I calm down. <laughs> they, they, they should have had Fiji versus Tonga in the curtain raiser and then had Samoa versus New Zealand Maori All Blacks in the main game. Right? Yeah. I mean, where's the logic, people? And uh, why is it, when is it? The end of, when, when is this game going to be? At the end of August. The end of August. Why not have it the night before? Oh, hang on, I've got a better idea. <laughs> why not? Why not have New Zealand Maori versus Samoa as a curtain raiser to All Blacks versus Tonga? You're already going to have a sellout for the All Blacks game. Yep. What are we doing here, people? Like, we want to give these Heartland players a a big stage, aka an empty stadium where nobody's going to turn up. <laughs> Come on, y'all. So yeah, you only you only need to play Mitre Ten if you want to experience the Eden Park empty. The, <laughs> so okay, now the reason I think they're going with Heartland Championship instead of Mario Blacks is because this is three weeks into. Sorry, for, this is week week four of the Minor Ten Cup, um, uh, and so it would mean all the Mary All Blacks players missing um, at least two weekends of, or, or probably two weekends of, of Minor Ten Cup action um, for this. So that's my guess as to why they've gone with the um, uh, the Heartland Championship fifteen. Um, that does mean, obviously, that Heartland Championship fifteen players will be missing Heartland Championship games as well. So hey, um, but. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think I think they they, they would be better off doing using the uh, New Zealand Maori um, for this, but also I think Eden Park is a bad venue for this. I don't think they're going to get anywhere near full for this tour, for this game. Um, yep. And this is something that they could, that this is another game they could have taken to the provinces. Uh, you could either yep. take it down to Hamilton if you wanted to, um, or you could have taken it all the way down to somewhere like Palmerston North. Um, and if you or if you'd used or, or back to Rotorua because obviously the Mary connection, um, but someone like yeah, Palmerston North, or even go down as down to um, they take it down to Nelson in the South Island. Um, but mm-hmm. I think yeah, I think Eden Park is a bad choice um, uh, for this one, um, and uh, I'm um, 
the uh, and so yeah, so unfortunately, so, yeah, I think that, that's probably a. Um, uh, so I, I think it's a bad venue, uh, and, and as you say, I think the Heartland Championship 15 is probably a bad choice of team as well. Uh, I, mean, I, I went and watched the New Zealand Barbarians against the New Zealand Maori yeah. um, a number of years ago at Eden Park, and they only opened up one stand. They didn't even bother. They only opened up the same yeah. same the same amount of stand that they do open up for a Mighty Cup game, and it wasn't full. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I can't. I really, really, really can't see them filling this stadium. For this, I think it's going to be a bit of a flop, to be honest. Yeah, and I mean, it's an, it's an unnecessary expenditure from a broadcasting perspective as well. I mean, because you're already going to have Sky Crews doing the minor 10 Cup games, they're going to be stretched to buggery. I mean, it's just not logic in this decision at all. <laughs> But I, this is this is not only like a key issue. It seems like if you if you're a rugby administrator, you don't need to think. It was like here during the under twenty, like when the, the first day of the under twenties, they play. They also play like the Nations Cup in Uruguay with the Argentina 15, Uruguay, Namibia, and Russia, and they play these games at the same time as under twenties. Could they not thought about playing them maybe the day before or maybe the day after? You know, it's like, <laughs> no, 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 no. We're gonna play all games at the same time. Yeah, so they're a little bit more. I, you can see them trying to do joined up thinking. You can see them trying to support Pacific Islands, but they just seem to. It's it's kind of good idea, badly executed a lot of the time. Um, yeah. Which is uh, and we, 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 which is which is a real shame um, for this. I'm, I'll be honest. I'm also not a big fan of double headers. Um, and I think I've talked about it on this show before, but mainly with um, with uh, Ashwin and, and Stephen. Um, but. The, quite often that they, they they play the double headers with a big gap in between the two games so that the players can warm up on the pitch. Um, I think they should reduce that gap down to maybe ten minutes and get yep. the players to warm up on a back pitch. Um, pretty much every um, every single ground I can think of um, in New Zealand just about has another pitch very nearby just across the road they can that they can they can warm up warm up on. Um, that maybe not in Palmerston North, thinking about it, but um, in, in at Eden Park, you've got the back, you've got the back oval or the second oval. Um, uh, there's, a, I, I can think of four pitches, if not five, around uh, FMG Stadium. Um, so there's plenty of places that people that normally teams can warm up that isn't the actual pitch. Um, and yeah, let's just try and condense it down to. Because it, otherwise, it turns into like a five-hour thing, and that's way too long for a lot of people to sit through. To be honest. Yeah, but I always wonder how sevens can be successful. You know, I, I'm having a hard time watching a full day of sevens. I mean, it's it, it, it yet to happen. You know. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I can't see how. I mean, I, I can see how the sevens. Carnival or the HSB Sevens can be commercially successful. I mean, you can fill stadiums. I've been to Hong Kong Sevens four or five times um, and had a great time there. Uh, and uh, I went along to the New Zealand Sevens in Hamilton this year. Um, thank you very on, thank you very much, Andre, for the ticket. Um, but um, there's a lot of uh, uh, so I, I can see how they they work. But domestically, I can't see how Sevens can ever be financially viable. Um, and, and in which case, how do you provide the players for that international s- setup if you can't have a professional system at the domestic level that, that's, that's viable? Um, so all this talk of how sevens is going to take over fifteens and kill fifteens off, I just can't see it because I just can't see how sevens nah. can be commercially viable. No, me neither. So, um, so they, if, and so yeah, if anybody out there has uh, has a model for how domestic sevens can be commercially viable please let me know because I'm dying to understand how it can be I'd love to see how it could work um, it's going to be all quiet Paul I've got a funny <laughs> feeling it is yes <laughs> um, so yeah that's, that's, that's that one um, any other All Blacks topics you guys would like to have a quick yarn about yeah I, I want to ask you guys about I mean Shannon Frisella see not even picked in the starting 15 from this weekend. What I mean, he what may is, is he still in the conversation for all backs or not? I don't think so. I, I don't think Hanson likes him to, to be honest. Um, I think this is a bit of a um, 
whether it's something he's not doing behind the scenes, whether it's, uh, you know, his work ethic and training, I don't know. But, um, no, nah, I, I can't see Frizzell um, be in be your first choice. Uh, you think he would be in the squad? Uh, I think he will be an injury replacement. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Wow. What? Um, I, I, I've, Shannon Fazell will be in the World Cup squad. He will be going as second choice six or as one of the two sixes. Um, <laughs> well, who else? Who else? Are the two sixes then, Michael. Scott Barrett. Scott Barrett. No, no Scott Barrett's a, yeah. He's a. He's a. He's a lock. He's yeah. not a six. Uh, I, no, I think yeah. I'm more and more coming to Mike. He's he's probably gonna. I think he's his first selection six. They are really and gonna give him. Kane Kane can play at six as well. I I don't know. I just Shannon Fazell was one of those things where he kind of came and he and he and he went. Maybe I'm thinking of the wrong person here. Anyway, continue. Um, <laughs> um, for Fisa, I think maybe he's came and went. But um, for Frizzell, maybe, yeah. Uh, the, the the Hurricanes player, but Shannon Frizzell of the Highlanders. Um, Sharon, uh, so yeah, for things will be, in, will, will, yeah, is 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 on the long list for as, as injury placement. I, I agree, but um, um, but Frizzell, um, to me, uh, picked after what uh, for, for the for eight the All Blacks games. after how many games? Sorry, eight, eight Super Rugby games. Eight Super Rugby games. Uh, all of us had never even heard of him. Pretty much hadn't really figured out who he was until uh, and we were like, who's this guy? He suddenly picked, came from nowhere. Um, and uh, yeah, plays very well. Now he uh, clearly got was um, took a while to settle in. Um, was a bit too enthusiastic at, uh, in his in his first couple of games, but um, and then at the beginning of this season, before Liam Squire uh, got fit, um, was on a was on a try scoring run. Um, so to me, I think he, he's he's Liam Squire's deputy um, for the All Blacks. Yeah. I think there is uh, another factor. I'm speculating now. I, I gladly admit that. But this uh, this happened at the same time as uh, Brad Shields got called up for England and all the noise about that. But Shannon Frisell is actually having a Welsh mother, so he is eligible. He was eligible for Welsh to ride in. So maybe that helped all Mexico selectors to come in to give him a cap or two, a little bit quicker maybe than he should have had. Oh dear. Well, maybe. Um, but no, um, not, not impossible. Not impossible. <laughs> yes. I I just wonder, you know, if if your first choice of all that team, because you can't you can't keep Adi Savia out after the season, this guy's head. But you you also can't say the same. Okay, now we we don't want you. I reckon we're going to have obviously White Lock and Metallic in your locks, six, seven, and eight. Adi Savia, Sam Kane, Kieran Reid. We've got Barrett the first backup for the locks. Liam Squire can also play at six. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Liam Squire, Liam Squire can also play at six. Um, wow, that that would be a uh, an interesting one, kind of going with the two sevens in a kind of Pocock um, Hooper style um, mm. uh, lineup. A pooper. The pooper. Yep, the old pooper. Um, so how do we how do we Sevilla and Kane? Um, yep. No, 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 I'm trying. I'm trying to merge the two names together, like you like you do, Pooper. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm sane, um, or uh, anyway, um, but um, Kinea, 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 same Kinea. Um, so yes, yeah, so we'll see how they. Uh, that's that's an interesting one. And we're, I mean, we're not going to know until probably the Bledisloe Cup games uh, if if they're going to try that. Um, but they, I I, I think Idris will be on the bench. Mm. Yeah, but it's, it, it is a kind of concern, at least for me, that the back row is still not settled. You know, compare this to the last World Cup, then the back row was written in stone, and it was probably like the three best players in Kane, Mako, and Reed. All of them were top of the game and were the best player in the world in their position. And look where we're coming up. Kane and Savi are awesome, but there are lots of other good flankers and number eights out there too in the world right now. Um, yeah, so the. Um and, and and that six is as Brent says in the chat there. They've got the, the uh, they've got a lot to um, um, a lot to talk about there. Uh, and I think, um, but yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be going to be Squire um, uh, with um, with 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 Kane and Reed. 
I say with Ali Sevier coming off the bench, covering both, because yeah. he can play across. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm yet to be convinced by Squire on international level. I mean, he, he can look really mean at, at Super Rugby level, but the test level, it's, it's a massive step down from Kano. Massive step down. Um, I, I, I personally would put Frizzell in there. I, 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 like, I, I'm, I'm, I like what Frizzell brings. It's very different to Kano. Don't get me wrong. Um, I'm not trying. To, I'm not trying to compare him to to, to Kano, but I, I, I like what he brings to the team. Um, so I'm, I, I I I wouldn't be upset with Frizzell starting, but uh, but seeing seeing him, it's a bit like Triple T at the Canes. Why isn't uh, yeah? If you go, how come Triple T gets in the side, uh, gets in the All Black squad, but um, but he can't make it onto the uh, onto the pitch? A uh, bit with Frizzell. If he can't make it on the pitch, how can you really select him for the All Blacks? Yeah, yeah, but Weber has a he has a stormer of a season, doesn't he? Well, uh, yeah, we had a great season. Yep. Yeah, I mean, if he, if he isn't picked as the third third uh, scrum half, then yeah, that that would be a scandal almost, considering his form this season. Go on, Mike. Weber, you you you, you guys, will, sorry. <laughs> well, so go on, Mike. What's, is is he going to get picked or not? No. <laughs> <laughs> really? Damn. <clears throat> no, I, don't, I actually don't know. <laughs> Do you think he deserves it, Mike? Oh, I, I think he's the most deserving um, third choice all back in the history of New Zealand rugby. Um, yeah. <laughs> I bet I've got some yeah. form. He, he has been better than Aaron Smith and TJ all season, too. He's the best yep. performing New Zealand scrum half and been yep. for Monster. It, it, really, it really depends if. Um, you know, Hanson in particular, I think, wants to change his, his mindset. But, you know, given the uncertainty in some of the areas of this team, he might well have to. So, um, because whoever is that third nine, um, I think they will either take three nines or they'll take three tens. They won't take three above. So he's going to have to make a choice. I, th- I think you have to take three nines. Um, as I say, <clears throat> players like Geordie Barrett can step in at ten. You can't be asking yeah. him to step in at nine. There's just there's there's no one else who who who, who can can step in there. I mean, the, there are exceptions to the rule. You've players like um, Francois Hugard who play sort of wing and nine, who, where you can take them as a utility player. But New Zealand doesn't have anyone like that that, that does that. So um, you, you've got to take three in, in my mind at the nines. That's uh, that, that's a non-negotiable. The but to, to, to jump from because. Uh, back in November, Brad Weber was sixth choice scrum half. Okay, so he was behind not only um, uh, Aaron Smith, uh, TJ Piranara, Triple T, but he was also behind um, the two Crusader uh, scrum halves as well. So, uh, yeah, to jump from sixth to third, that would uh, I, mean, I think he's I, I think he should be there, but to to ch- to change Hansen's mind that much. Um, it's going to take a lot of doing. Yeah, he should have yeah. Been, I yeah, I agree. But I think he probably should have been there last year. Um, yep. Particularly, particularly at that end of year tour. Yeah. Just give him a go. Give him a go. And I think he's probably made a strong case with uh, Sheep's win over the Crusaders in Fiji because he was absolutely outstanding in that game. And he showed the whole world, but look at my engine. He was the one. He had legs for a full lady in that heat. Mm-hmm. And you're going to need... And we going to be hot in Japan too. It's going to be humid in Japan too. Yeah, but if he goes there, I'll miss him at the Mighty 10 Cup. That's not allowed. What? <laughs> <laughs> well... Thank you very much, guys. Um, it's been a pleasure yet again. Um, thank so, you, Paul. Uh, so thank you, Herman, and thank you, Michael. Don't forget to, to catch up with Michael as the real Mike Pullman on uh, Twitter um, and the Accidental Offside podcast and YouTube channel. Uh, so go check those out. Um, for uh, obviously for us, uh, sorry for me. Um, subscribe up there. Down there's the link to the main channel. Um, over there are two videos um, that the. Um, Artificial intelligence here at YouTube says you'll enjoy, so give them a watch as well. And don't forget, down below, uh, there's a link, www.patreon.com forward slash driving mall, which is where you can become a supporter of the channel. Today, I did an exclusive video on there talking about the different character of the professional leagues and how, they, how they're how they different from each other. 
Um, so go check that out. Um, it, it's it's dirt cheap. It's amazing. You'll be, you'll be, you'll, you'll uh, as to how much the membership is. So um, so go check that out. Uh, thank you very much. Good night and uh, see you all. Have a great weekend.